Well, good morning again, everyone. Hope that you had a good week. I'm glad to see all of you here today. Um, I had an interesting week, to say the least. I'm always intrigued at how the Lord works through my weeks, works through different sermon series, and how he brings me through some of those things as a pastor and the issues that we tackle. You know, we face a lot of different circumstances throughout our weeks, throughout our months, throughout the year. And, you know, when I'm addressing different things in a sermon series, it's kind of what we're going through. And I'm always interested at how the Lord kind of brings through that. I usually have a few thoughts or some directions um, that I want to go to. And for the most part, we head in those directions as I've been praying through things. But it's always interesting to see how much deeper the Lord can take us. Uh, It's been cool for me as a pastor to see that deeper connection, that stronger connection within the text and how scripture is just consistent throughout um, and then apply that to my own life. A lot of times, as I said, I do a lot of the prep work ahead of time in the weeks leading up to a message so that by the time I give a message, I'm done already processing that and I'm on to the next thing. Whereas it's kind of reversed for you guys in terms of depending on how you're following along with the text. Um, you're usually processing the week after. And as we're going through these, the Lord really hit me with some hard things this week, some different challenges that were a little bit deeper. Um, And they were extremely challenging to work through. But ultimately, I think they will shape me in wonderful ways, even though I can't see the end yet. You know, this week, again, it was a little bit more challenging because I was faced with some of my shortcomings, some of the failures that I have, and I I humbly knelt before the Lord. I bitterly wept before the Lord in different areas of my life. But what it did is it it reminded me of the full dependence that we are to have on the Lord in all areas of our life, not just for salvation, but in all areas. And as he showed up, he's able to, to lift you up when you're in those pits, when you're in those times, when you're being attacked by the enemy to give you the strength to go on. And it's something that's very encouraging because many times throughout the weeks, throughout the months, we might find ourselves just kind of coasting by. You know, just, it's smooth, life is going okay, it might be a little rough here and there, but you're just just getting by. But this week was a, a week of depth where you can really understand that the Lord is holding you. And it was timely. You know, last week, we covered all of Philemon, And I could have broken each of those points up that we had into its own messages. Um, But, you know, about a month ago as I was going through this series, finishing it up, and then into Advent, the Lord showed me a different passage that we were going to go to. So I knew that I could only spend one week on each passage. Um, And and I didn't hesitate as the Lord had, had directed me there. And you begin to see why as you get to dive deeper. And it's pretty cool. So today we're going to unpack a little bit in Jude. If you want to turn there, you can. We're not going to cover the whole book. Um, But again, what we do cover, again, we can talk about for three or four weeks because it's so rich. And again, as I go through the titles in the weeks, those are the ones that usually get to me. Um, They impact me a little bit. And where we're going to be going today is we're going to be talking about the new self and how it impacts Perseverance. Now, perseverance is a fun word. It's constantly on my mind this week. 
And it's one of those words, one of those terms or ideas that we know is in the Bible, right? We know it's a teaching in the Bible to, to persevere. But it's not one that we always pray for. Similar to patience, right? Because if we're praying to persevere, you know that you're going to have to be going through things that you have to persevere from. And we like comfort. We like it easy. So why should we pray for those things? Um, you know, and, and as I reflected on this topic this week, I applied it to myself and, and what I've been through, what the kids have been through, what the Lord has brought us through, um, through the struggles, through the pains. I was in prayer this week for many of you. Um, shameless, unshameless plug, I don't know. Um, I have the directory right on my desk in my room, and when I'm in a prayer mode, I just go through the directory. So maybe that's why some of you aren't on the directory. But I, I look at your families, and I pray with what you guys have going on. And, and I pray for each of you in those ways. You know, because as a body, we've persevered through a lot together. We've been through a lot of things. Even though seemingly some of us are still in those tests, we're still in those hardships and trials. Um, you know, and, and I don't think that for us to persevere through a trial that, I don't think that us persevering for, through trials will ever really end until the Lord calls us home or until he comes back for his church. It's just gonna be one of those things that we have to be ready for. And, and you know, today what I wanna do is I wanna give us some encouragement from the word about how to persevere how to approach perseverance with that being our focus. And again, even though this is a short book, it is rich with a lot of things. And some of the fun things that are in it, we're not going to really cover today. Um, but if you could, we're going to be in Jude. And you could join me. I'm going to read verses 17 through 23 today. And if you're there, I invite you to stand as we read God's word. beginning in verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Father, as we go to your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, especially as we might be in some different trials, that we can find the truth in your word uh, to lean on that in those hard times. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe seated. Okay, so again, as we have perseverance as our focus, our main topic for today, I'm hoping to, to draw out the truth that's found in this word in terms of how to persevere through things that we might face on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis because we all have different challenges that we face. 
Um, you know, and when we think about those challenges, one of the ways I hear some people face those challenges is to simply discount it. You know, they look at what they have going on in their life, and then they compare it to someone else. Well, what, I, what I'm going through isn't as much as so-and-so. They're really going through it. And they just discount it. They dismiss the trial that they're going through. And for seasons, I mean, it might be true. There's always going to be people that have it harder than you do. Absolutely. But what I want to suggest to you is when we have that type of attitude to discount or dismiss what we're going through, then we don't actually enter into the trial to actually persevere. We don't invite Jesus in through that to see what we can learn and how we can grow through those times. I mean, it's okay to have empathy for others while at the same time persevering through our own stuff. Asking for help, asking for prayer so that we can grow together. So many times we approach our hardships um, where we think that we have to handle it alone or we don't want to be a bother to anyone else or to God. But I think hopefully what we've learned as a body is how much we need one another to support one another when we're down so that we can be drawn closer to the Lord. Um, you know, and in the trials you know, that we face, one of the things that we need to be asking ourselves is where is Jesus in all of this? What is he trying to teach me? What am I trying to, be, to, to learn? Am I, am I moving according to the way that he wants me to? Or am I moving according to the ways of the flesh? Now, these are answers that we want to have for ourselves as we face these trials, whether it's individually, whether it's corporately, to know where Christ is. So there's going to be these things that we're going to focus on today to help us in these times of perseverance, help us in times of trials and hardships, knowing that not every situation equates one-to-one, but again, hopefully we, we understand some of these principles within the word to apply it to our own lives. So the first thing that Jude mentions to the beloved, to those who are in Christ, is to remember. This is the first imperative of the coming list of imperatives that he's going to give. They're called to remember the words which were spoken by the apostles. Now if you did a survey of the Bible, and, or just even a word search of the term remember, you would find all throughout the Bible, the Israelites, the church, they are called to remember who God is and what he has done. We went through a series like that in terms of what they were to remember. Um, and it's such an important thing for us to grasp. And it's something that we should be doing every day. Because forgetfulness of the teachings, the warnings that we find in Scripture, I think is a huge cause to the spiritual malaise that we find within our society, the spiritual sickness, where there's this deterioration, there's this decline in our society. It's because we're not in the Word of God remembering what He has said, remembering who He is or what He has done. Now, within the context of what He's writing here, what they are to remember. It's within the context of scoffers and mockers and false teachers who are going to be coming in with other things, with, with non-truths, right? So they're having to persevere under the, um, under the attacks of being mocked, 
uh, under the attacks of suffering for their faith, where the culture that is around them is also in decline, where there's moral depravity, where there's all these other things that are coming against them. Yet the believer, the beloved, is called to persevere by remembering who God is. Um, not swaying to the right or the left, but staying on that narrow path, understanding where their firm faith needs to be found, even as they face enticements, even as they face temptations, even as they face trials. Right, the Bible tells us that trials come so that they can prove our faith to be genuine, where we have this understanding that we can be victorious over those temptations or those things because he is victorious. So our hope and our remembrance is in what Christ has done. Now, Jude kind of gives a, a general statement here in verse 18. We find a similar statement in 2 Peter 3.3, 3, but it's also believed that Jude is written first. So there has to be this understanding that this is kind of a general teaching that is out there right now among the apostles, among the church leaders of what's been instructed to them. So some of the context as we look at what's written here in, the, in verse 17 and 18, 2 um, Peter 3, I'm gonna read a little bit longer than just 3.3, 3. but he says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Okay, so that's what Second Peter is, is writing um, to the, the people that he is writing to. And we see how uh, the scoffing, we see the questioning of the church and of the believers. Where is this, this Jesus, this king of yours? You said he's coming back. Where is he? It's been 30, it's been 40 years. Why hasn't he returned? Is he really coming back? So we see, we see this temptation, we see this doubt that's being scoffed at, that's trying to be planted in the minds. But if you know Second Peter chapter three, if you read on a little bit further, it talks then about the patience of God, the long suffering of God how God is patient with mankind, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. So again, as he is, the Lord is a model for us in everything, in terms of the long-suffering and the remembering, to where he remembers the covenant, he remembers the promise that he has, and that all who are called under his name will come to him in due time. And the end will come, and he will come back when that time is right. And in the same way, we are to remember the word of God in order to pre persevere in what we are going through. We, know, we should know that we're gonna be facing scoffing, mocking, suffering, especially as we look at our culture, especially as we look at society, what they're promoting, what they're promulgating in terms of ungodly passions. I mean, do we hate to see the way that the society is going? Do we worry about our kids and our grandkids and what they're gonna have to face? Absolutely. But our hope is not in this world. You know, our hope is in the world to come. And we need to persevere through these things in order to continue to have our faith and our trust in the word of God and what he has said. 
You know, he has said nothing, is, nothing new happens under the sun. And he tells us that the scoffing, the mocking, the trials will come. You know, you look around at our communities and our societies, you look at the injustices, you look at the agendas that are being pushed, and all of the other stuff. We should not be surprised. Nor should we falter in terms of holding the line of truth. We stand on his word, remembering what he has said. And the entire time that I was writing this section of the message, the only thing that was going through my mind, not the only thing, one of the things that was constantly going through my mind was the Lion King. When Simba finds the apparition of his father up in the sky and James Earl Jones' voice and the only way he can do just says, remember. And then it continues to repeat that as it fades out. Every day, we need to remember who God is. We need to remember what his word says because society is gonna come and challenge that. The second thing that Jude talks about is the false teachers and our need to be on guard or to be aware of them. You know, we've talked about false teachers a lot recently as we've gone through Colossians. Um, I'm kind of lumping in the mockers, the scoffers, and the false teachers together because the false teachers would come and they would divide churches up into two groups. They would be more worldly-minded. They would be devoid of the Spirit. All very serious points to consider. You know, the divisions that were being made were between those that held firm to the apostles' teachings and then those that would become known as apostates. This would be referring to those who had ban- would abandon the faith that they had professed prior. Uh, those that forsake the religion, as Webster says. Jude uses words like ungodly to describe false teachers, to describe the mockers and the scoffers. Um, as you look through the book of Jude, uh, he describes these people in verse 4, verse 8, 10 through 13, 15 and 16, and then here in 19. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten into a religious debate with people? Isn't it fun? What normally happens in those debates? Do you think the other person is a believer? Do we question their salvation because they disagree with you? or because they disagree with God. You know, it's very easy to ask questions such as, well, what makes your faith better than mine? What makes you right and me wrong? You know, sometimes we just come up with different justifications or, or reasonings to shut down an argument. But you know, Jude doesn't go there. He, he's not very light in what he says here. He says that the people are devoid of the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, that the false teachers are worldly-minded to the point that they would look more like unbelievers rather than believers. They would share the worldviews and the viewpoints or the beliefs of an unbeliever and that they are full of divisions. So by their actions, they would rather divide than unite. They would lack the fruit of the Spirit to be able to see very clearly then what their motives would be. And when we think about the, the, the presence of the Spirit in our own lives, 
I'm sure that you've probably had seasons or times where maybe you have questions, you have doubts, and you wonder, okay, do I line up with a believer or am I more like a false teacher or an apostate because I failed yet again? One thing to remember, back to the first point, is that you and I are in process. Vernon McGee says it this way, He says, the spiritual part now wants us to turn to God. And if you are a child of God, you know about this conflict, that there are times where you want to turn away from him, and there are times when you want to turn to him. This is the reason most of us are like a roller coaster in our Christian lives. We go up today, and it's great, but then we go down tomorrow. What a trip, up and down. It ought not be that way, but unfortunately, most of us would have to testify that that is true of us. So we have to acknowledge that we're not perfected. You know, and this is why Jude is encouraging the believers to keep the faith, to persevere through the trials and the hardships because there's gonna be scoffers and mockers that will come in and try to create doubt. And we have to be on guard against that. And what you see next then is Jude giving a contrast in verse 20 with the, but you start. The but you then brings a bunch bunch of uh, imperatives, a bunch of present participles that act as imperatives um, that kind of make up the third point in terms of what we are to do in order to persevere. You know, again, we want to remember the context. He's dealing with false teachers who are dividing the body, who are trying to tear the faith down. Let me just give you a simple analogy. In construction, if you are efficient, let's say, it might take you four to six months to build a new house, depending on the size, depending on the detail, all of that kind of stuff. Four to six months. If you gave me an excavator, how long would it take me to tear it down? If you're still shopping for Christmas for me, I would love an excavator. They're a lot of fun. But it would be down within a half hour couple hours to get it cleared off. You know, what Jude is is saying is that to the church, to the believers, you have spent years building up your faith. And here come these scoffers who can completely destroy it or try to tear it down and create doubt and it can happen in a moment. Persevere. And this is how you are to persevere. First, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Seems simple, right? Almost so simple that it's just assumed that we're doing it. Again, another analogy. Think about how we're coming into the winter months. It's almost flu season. Are you beginning to build up your immune system? Are you making sure you're getting enough rest, drinking enough fluids, taking some vitamin C, some vitamins or supplements and things like that? Are we building up in preparation for the attacks to come? Relay that to your faith. Are you building up your faith in preparation for the attacks to come? Because newsflash, attacks are going to come every day. And if you don't know that they're coming every day, maybe the enemy has lulled you into a complacency where you're not being able to see that attack. The enemy is going to attack you, and we need to have our faith built up um, being ready for that. Building up your faith speaks about growth. 
This is a, a present tense participle, so it is a continuous process. It's a continuous process uh, of building up where it's done by being in the word, um, where it refers back up to verses 3 and 17, the word that they have received from the apostles. You're remembering the word of God. You're remembering what Christ has done for you. And you are present with Christ, what Christ has done for you because he is the foundation of your faith. It is in him that you grow, not in your own strength. You build yourself up in him in order to persevere. That is the first point. The second, pray in the Holy Spirit. As a believer, you are one in Christ. You are not devoid of the Holy Spirit like the false teachers, like the mockers. He dwells in you. He abides in you and you in him. That is a doctrinal fact. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. So pray. Pray for understanding. Pray prayers of thanksgiving and praise. Pray for strength because he is your refuge. God is our greatest resource and so many times we don't take advantage of that. So many times we try to do things on our own because we're independent, because we don't want to be a bother. But it's a foolish thing because our God is a big God. You know, I think of a, a big indicator in terms of spiritual maturity is how often we pray or what our prayer life is like. When I, when I go and, and counsel people and they're going through tough things, one of the first questions I ask them is, tell me about your walk. What does your walk look like? You know, it's not a question of judgment, but it's a question of you can pretty easily see what's lacking in their life based on how they respond. Are they in the word? What's their prayer life like? If we want to persevere, we need to be in prayer. Thirdly, in verse 21, we should keep ourselves in the love of God. This entails a humble and contrite heart one that's not going to be erecting barriers or walls to try to keep God out. Instead, we are resting in his love, in his peace, constantly. You know, as, as we face doubts, as we face mocking and scoffing, many times we can turn inward and we can begin to process that by ourselves. And we don't invite God in because it's about God. Now, two, two things can happen here. One, we don't invite God in because maybe we want the doubts to be right and we want to elevate ourselves above God. A form of selfishness, a form of pride. Another way or reason that we don't invite God in is because we feel such shame. Oh, I can't believe I fell for that again. Lord, you must hate me. God took all of our sin and nailed it to the cross. He knows all your junk. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. We minimize God way too much in our lives, in our walks. We are to stay securely in the love of God, which is Jesus. He is our salvation. We don't turn to other things. We don't elevate other things above him. He is the source of love. Fourthly, we need to constantly have in our minds that we are waiting for the Lord's return because then we will be ushered into his presence eternally. Jude is telling the readers to continue to hold on to the hope that they have in the coming king because it leads to eternal life. 
Paul says something similar to the Romans. He says this in chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. You know, when we think about the life that we have now, yeah, we have trials, we have hardships, we have joys, we have times of entertainment, we have times of boredom. But in reality, when you think about this life, it is just a blip in eternity. It flies by so fast, and we miss so much of it. Our hope is not in this life. Our hope is not in this world, but it is in the, in the life to come. And we persevere because that hope is constantly in our minds. Now just a side note, as you look at these first four statements that are made, did you notice that you can see the triplet there of faith, love, and hope being expressed? as well as the Trinity in the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son. I always like to point those things out when I see them in Scripture because it shows the consistency of Scripture that we can find in the Word. The fifth thing that Jude says, he kind of then takes the movement from kind of being inward or upward and it moves now outwards in terms of our perseverance where we are to have mercy on those who doubt where we are to tenderly help those fellow believers who might be struggling in their faith. Now, maybe they're stumbling, perhaps they're under the influence of the false teachers. Either way, they are wavering in their loyalty, in their allegiance, and the beloved are called not to give up on them, but rather to restore them in mercy. Now, I think this is why praying in the Holy Spirit is so important. Because many times we need to discern how to respond to people who are having doubts and questions. There are times where we have to be gentle. Yes, there are times that we need to be firm as well. But the discernment of the Spirit and how you're walking with the Spirit kind of foreshadows how you respond. If you're walking in a more worldly way, you might respond to doubts or questions of the faith with anger. What do you mean you don't want to go to church? Of course you're going to church. You're in my house. You're going to church. Period. End of story. Versus responding in mercy by the leading of the discernment of the Spirit. This is why I've been kind of harping on the importance of mentoring and discipleship. Now my kids, they're pastor's kids. They know the Sunday school answers through and through. But there's things that they can't share with dad. That's why I need others to come alongside. Again, as a body, that's why we come alongside so many. That's why I'm so blessed to have the role of being a youth pastor and coming alongside of so many of your kids. Because yes, they have questions. They're trying to figure out the faith for themselves. They're trying to understand and questions don't stop just because you turn 18. I still have questions. But are we comfortable enough to ask them? Or do we think that we're going to get shot down? And Jude says we are to respond in mercy. To be more sensitive to the Spirit's leading and guiding. As you do that, as you live that way, you also notice as people are struggling. You'll notice their heart and have the boldness to reach out to them first. Because how nervous can it be to say, I have 
questions. I'm not so sure. And if we're internally in that turmoil, it takes a lot to have courage to, to speak it out loud. Sixth thing that he says, within the same realm of doubts that people could be having, you can have another group of people who have fully, fully given in to the false teachers, those that would need saving from the fire. Maybe it's attempting to correct their thinking to save them from the judgment that they're going to be facing. Again, I think this is more geared towards the, the apostates, those that are rejecting their once professed faith, where the imagery of fire is the parallel to when Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. So when I look at this command from Jude, he's calling for us to persevere with people who are swept away in unbelief, in heresy, to have compassion for them and not condemnation. Again, a lot easier said than done at times. Now I think this is combined with the seventh command here, that we are to have mercy with fear, hating, um, even the garment stained by the flesh. And again, this can be hard because, I mean, we know that the phrase, love the sinner but hate the sin, where we hate the things that are opposed to God but understand that our enemy is not of flesh and blood. And that can be hard to persevere through when it can be so much easier to write them off, to give them over to their evil desires, especially when it's family. You know, I've seen this struggle the most, um, I would say, in families that battle with drug addictions. Constantly having a roller coaster ride of emotions, decisions, consequences. You know, personally, I've had several former youth group kids die to heroin overdoses. And when the epidemic hit, there were mixed feelings about how to handle that epidemic, how to counsel with families. Because there's a protection mode that comes in to protect the other members of the family so that they don't follow in the footsteps, to make sure that you're not enabling the, the person that's struggling so you distance yourself as a family at the same time, there's desperate attempts to snatch them out of the fire. And you know, Elaine was instrumental in getting things like Narcan into the hands of our first responders. It was something that saved a lot of lives. But it was controversial. You know, what was surprising to us was the response that we heard in church. People saying we shouldn't be reviving them. They chose to take the drugs. There's such a lack of compassion for those who are struggling. And in my snarkiness, one time that I had that conversation, I asked this person how she felt about insulin shots, whether or not we should provide those for people because for most cases, they chose to eat unhealthy, they chose to pump their bodies full of sugar. Should we give those? Not the most gracious response. But of course, insulin shots were okay because that's what she struggled with. She missed my point completely. You know, when we're treating people with mercy and compassion, we are to have the fear of the corrupting influence of their sin and what they might be caught up with at the time because that can influence our thoughts or our words. Instead, we are to remember what the Word of God says. 
understanding his commands, understanding his mercy and his love. The garments that Jude is talking about would represent those things that are affected or come in contact with the fleshly, with the world, with the ungodly. Garments would often be symbolized as what people see, whether that's their speech, habits, practices, companions, things like that. Proverbs tells us bad company corrupts good behavior or moral character. And it can be tough. But as we treat people with mercy and compassion, it's under the general command here that is given by Jude to bring them back into the fold. And it goes back to that question of how are you in the world but not of the world? How do you not allow worldly things to impact your faith as you are still also in the process of being built up in your faith? How do you persevere through those times? You know, your dependence on the Lord, your ability to remember, your ability to be in prayer. Oftentimes, as you get older, you're supposed to be more mature in the faith, supposed to. But I think that you handle those times or you handle those communications with others based on your spiritual maturity. For instance, I wouldn't send somebody like Becca to go into an AA meeting and and share the gospel. Could she? Sure. But she's not spiritually mature enough to handle those types of things. So we need people to continue to be growing in the word and not in the world so that we can help each other through spiritual maturity persevere and get through some of those things in life. Sometimes you're the only one who can respond in that area. And your response needs to be, here I am, send me. Understanding the call to go is for everyone to share the good news, to be the hands and feet of Christ in those situations that we find ourselves in. Because we have the hope of the gospel living within us. We are to be light and we are to be salt to those around us. We are not the ones that judge and condemn. Christ does that. We bring people to Christ. You know, when we think about, the, when we think about what it means to count the cost of being a disciple, I wonder how often we take into account what it means to persevere as a disciple. What it means to suffer for the faith. What it means to depend fully on him in the faith. Because many times when we count the cost of being a disciple, it's all about I get my free ticket to heaven. Not understanding the fullness of what Christ is asking of us to give up everything and come follow him. So as we finish up this series, you know, looking at what our purpose is kind of as a church, as fellow believers, We've talked about a lot of things through Colossians, Philemon, and Jude. We talked about what it means to walk in Christ in a way that is worthy of the grace that we have received. We've talked about seeking um, all spiritual wisdom and knowledge so as to glorify and magnify him. To remember what he has said, knowing that there are going to be false teachers, scoffers, and mockers trying to steer us away from the faith that we are building up. But through it all, we are to persevere and reconcile with one another as best we can. Understanding the reconciliation that we have in Christ, first and foremost, 
and how that guides us, how that dictates our response to obey his commands. Because as it says in the doxology at the end of Jude, to God be the glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we... As we reflect on the hardships and trials that we do face in this life, Lord, first and foremost, I just wanna ask for forgiveness for those times that I don't turn to you and instead turn towards my own ways of understanding and knowledge and trying to do things in my own power. Lord, help us to, to understand what it means to pray without ceasing to be in community with you, to be in fellowship with you. Understand that, that we pray in the Holy Spirit, that you are doing a good work in us, and that you are faithful to complete that good work. Lord, I pray that when, when trials happen, that my response isn't worldly, that my response isn't why me, but rather I look to you, I look for you in the situation and do my best to gain an understanding. So Lord, I just pray for wisdom, I pray for discernment, and I pray for strength for all of us as we persevere through the trials of this life so that we may be drawn closer to you. Help us to sharpen one another. Help us to build each other up in the faith. Allow us to continue to magnify and glorify your name above all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.